we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto men and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth to all generations. Aren't you thankful for his truth, his blessing, his hand upon our lives? Amen. Before we uh, go to prayer, uh, Sister Davidson asked if we could pray for Jan uh, Baobot. She's uh, uh, had uh, breast cancer and some tumors. And so we want to lift her up before the Lord as we pray. Let's do that right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, for this time, this opportunity, Lord, that we can come and gather into your presence, Lord, to worship you, to lift you up. We know that you are great and greatly to be praised. Nothing is too great or too small for you. Lord, we lift up Sister Jan before you, Lord. You know you're able, God, to touch her. Lord, anoint our ears, our hearts today to receive your word. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We worship the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated today. Amen, amen. My title today for the message is The Exalted Entryway. The Exalted Entryway. Every place that you and I go, whether for a business uh, visit or a uh, or you're going shopping, or you're going to slumber in your room. Every place that we go has built into it a way to access it, uh, access what's inside, a way to get there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be going, would we? If you can't get in, we wouldn't be going. Uh, Don't you just love it when you drive up to a place and a restaurant or your favorite store or whatever, and you've got your list, you're ready to shop, Or you've been craving that restaurant all day long for whatever reason, and you pull up and you find out it's closed. No access to it. It's front door, it's access point, it's entryway. The doors are closed and locked, and you can't get in. Have you ever walked around to the side, walked around to the back, and walked in that way? You don't need to answer because... There's a, there's a word for that. It's called trespassing. But, but there, are, there are formal entryways, uh, and there are informal ones. There are side doors and back doors where employees and workers and people who are, who are given permission to be there, they can enter in that place. But everyone else, there's a formal way to get in through the front door uh, of that place. And, uh, and so the entryway, uh, this one truth Uh, of only access point is also true in the kingdom of God. That there's only one way into the kingdom of God. There's only one way into the kingdom, one way to be saved, only one way to get into heaven. Jesus says in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus declares to be the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I am also the door. And nobody can get in except you come through me because I am the door. And so the plan of salvation begins with Jesus. As he declares that he is the door. And only he can let you in. And faith in Jesus Christ is going to be the only way that gets you in that way. John 10 and 1, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, 
but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So he, he emphatically is declaring that there is only one way in. Those that try to go around a different way, uh, they are the same as a thief and a robber. But people will say that all religion is the same or that all roads lead to heaven. And, but that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying he is the door. He is the way that there is only one way in and he is it. There's no other way. People that believe and try other ways. Jesus says the same is a thief and a robber. And what do you think Jesus is going to do with them that are trying to break into his place without going through the front door? The same thing that you would probably do if someone tried to break in through your back door or your side door. You wouldn't greet them the way, same way you greeted as if they knocked on the front door, would they? Because the front door is a formal way in. Uh, Matthew 7 and 13 says, Enter ye and at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, many there be that go therein that. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be that find it. There will be many people that attempt to enter the kingdom of God by some other way. They're not trying to go through the front door. They're not trying to go through the formal way. They're saying, hey, how can I get into the back door? Or what's some other secret way that I can get into the kingdom of God, beating on the side door or trying to go around to the back? Well, there's no need to do that. Just go into the entryway. God, God will leave the door unlocked for you. He leaves the door unlocked for everybody. You just got to go in the proper way and find out what you need to do to enter. There's, it's not a secret to get into the kingdom of God. It's not a hidden door. It's not a members-only club. If you want in, you can get into the kingdom of God. As Jesus, as, as Paul t or Peter tells us in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means Jesus wants everybody to come through the front door. He wants everybody to come in uh, to the kingdom of God. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants all to come to repentance, but there's only one way in. The entryway. And he posts a sign out there just like all businesses have hours posted. Jesus posts a sign at the front of his door. Uh, it says in John 3 and 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. You can't enter unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. And that's what he posts on the front door. Everyone's welcome to come in, but read the sign before you come in. Just like we're, we're looking around at the signs at the front of the stores. Do I got to wear a mask in this one or not? We're looking for the sign. Some people just walk in anyways. And I tend to follow sometimes. And so there's a sign at the front of the kingdom door that says you need to be born of the water and spirit to get in. And that was posted at the entryway. And so when the church was established and had its beginning, it had its ribbon cut in ceremony on the day of Pentecost, 
Peter stands up and goes to the entryway of the kingdom because Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom and he goes and unlocks the gate of the kingdom and he, he greets the crowds in the streets and this is what he said. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ be born of the water and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost born of the Spirit. That's the way to come into the kingdom of God. And the Bible tells us that 3,000 souls responded and says, okie dokie. The doors are open. That's what I got to do to get in. Okay, if that's the only door, then hey, why, why, why fuss and complain and try to figure out something else? If that's the way in, I want to go inside. And so they repented of their sins and they were baptized in Jesus' name and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they wanted to get into the kingdom of God. And the same invitation goes out today, 2,000 years later. If you want to come into the kingdom of God, that's great. Just repent of your sins and, and get baptized in his name and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost and you can come into the kingdom of God because there's only one way in well what people do is they see that sign John 3 5 and they say oh let me see if there's another way in I don't like those business hours and so they go and they pull this scripture together and they'll pull that one they'll skip over that skip that book skip that chapter and say aha we've made a key to the kingdom of God I found the key. Just got to believe. And, and they think that they're in the kingdom of God, but really they aren't. They're in some other pasture. Because there's only one way, and that is to be born again. The Bible says there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and one gospel that saves. It's all centered around Jesus Christ and his word. And I'm thankful that Jesus led us through that door and gave us that opportunity where we can come into the kingdom of God and we can magnify his name and we can exalt him and, and be the sheep of his pasture and live in the place in his kingdom because the pasture that I was living in, I don't know what your pasture was that you grew up in. The pasture that I was living in wasn't a good place. Its waters were polluted. And I, my soul was thirsty. And all the water that was in that pasture just was toxic to me. And its grass was actually dead, but they spray painted it green. And I thought it was green grass. And here I'm eating this green looking grass and I'm getting sick. There was no peace there or no rest for my weary soul. But oh, once I came into the entryway of the kingdom of God, I knew that there's no place like this place on the entire earth. In his presence is fullness of joy. There is peace that passes all understanding. Here is the rest for our weary soul. There are rivers of living water in his pasture. There is the bread of life. Everything that we need is found found in his pasture inside the kingdom of God but there's only one way in the entryway through the gates of his kingdom every home has an entryway a front door and once you step inside that formal entrance uh, that is where you are greeted by the home itself the home speaks to you its occupants its owners they come and greet you there at the entryway. Welcome, come on in, make yourself at home. Uh, 
And the time that is spent, the, the few short seconds or minutes that is spent in that entryway, and the experience that you have right there can easily pave the way for what the rest of your time may be like in that place. A pleasant entryway and a pleasant experience uh, will often mean like things are going to, it's going to be a great night, good time. A not so pleasant entryway or not so pleasant experience and you're watching your clock for the remainder of the evening. And so this is how our homes are today, but that is how entire cities were back then. There was an entryway into the city, one way in, a formal way in, through the gate of the city, the, the main gate of the city. That was the only, only way you could get in. Cities had walls that were built around them to, to keep the enemy out and to keep uh, the strangers out. And so uh, a city with no walls was a city that was just waiting to be conquered by an invading army. The strength of a wall, can you imagine just, uh, you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden there's a massive army outside and you don't have any walls to stop them. Uh, and so the walls provided protection and, and, and saved you from an invading army. And so uh, it would delay and deter any invasion uh, because once walls were built and established, the only access to the city would be through the gate. And uh, unless they brought siege warfare, uh, they'd tear down the gate, tear down the walls, which would take a long time. Uh, but the, the, the quickest way in was if you could get through the gate. And so this is why Nehemiah broke down when he found out the condition of Jerusalem's walls and gates. In Nehemiah 1 and 3, and they, they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the cap captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Why? Because there are people that have returned from the captivity. Uh, there is a remnant of survivors that they are there in Jerusalem, but things aren't going so well. There's great affliction and great approach on them. And, and Nehemiah knew that without walls and without any gates to protect them, survival of Jerusalem would be slim because you need walls and you need gates. And they told him there's no walls. The gates are burned down. And so, therefore, the people that are blessed to return, there's no real protection there. And so that is why Nehemiah set out to oversee the rebuilding of the walls and gates so that it would be protected and saved from any attack of an enemy. Jerusalem had been destroyed, but God was going to use Nehemiah to restore it, to bring it back to uh, what it used to be, to, to, to rebuild the walls and rebuild the greatness of it. And so let me just pause here and say there, there may be some things 
that the enemy has torn down in your life or, or maybe some things that he destroyed or maybe because you let your guard down, you left the gate unlocked and you got complacent in your walk and stopped guarding the walls and stopped guarding your gates and then the enemy came in and wreaked havoc in your life and poured out guilt and shame and condemnation on you saying that you're a failure and you're no good in God. Well, I'm here to rebuke that voice of the enemy today in Jesus' name and declare that God wants to restore the good things in your life. God wants to bring your family back. He wants to bring your sons and your daughters and your loved ones back to the kingdom of God. Restore your calling. Restore your commitment to God. Heal that brokenness and give you the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But we're not just going to let those things die out. No, we're going to fight for them. We're going to pray for them and help rebuild those things in our life. We're going to restore them. We're going to rebuild them. Because God has got a purpose for each and every one of us. He's got a plan for your life. And if the devil's done stuff and ruined your life, he can restore those things. He can bring them back. But we got to get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. And because God has a plan and purpose for every one of us, Satan's not just going to sit idly by and watch you build stronger walls of separation. He's not going to make it easier for you to rebuild and restore those commitments that you made uh, years before to God. No, as you're building up with your calling, you're going to have to be working with one hand and holding a weapon in the other hand because you never know when the enemy's coming. you got to be ready at all times, putting on the armor of God all the time because you never know when that lion is coming around trying to devour you. And that's what Nehemiah and the men did in Nehemiah 4.17. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laded. Every one with one of his hands wrought the work, and with the other hand he held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had a sword girded by his side, and so he built it. And so they were rebuilding the walls with one hand, and they had a sword in the other just waiting for the enemy to come at them. And if we're going to rebuild anything in our life in the kingdom of God, if we're going to pursue after righteousness and godliness and holiness, it's only going to get done if we're working with one hand and we got a sword in another. We're waiting for the enemy to come around because he will come around. Especially if we're trying to rebuild things that we, that we let him destroy. And the only weapon that we have is called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's how we fight our enemies, with the sword and the spirit in one hand, and we're building the kingdom of God in the other hand. That's how we build and rebuild the things of God in our lives. But we've got to be willing to fight for any progress that is made, even just a little bit, just an inch, may take a lot of effort to get. But as long as we keep getting that and, and then we get another inch and we keep rebuilding one block after another and, and time after time, pretty soon we can see uh, the restoration of what God is trying to do in our lives. But we got to be willing to do that, build the kingdom of God and be ready to fight at any time. Psalms 149 and 6 says, 
Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. So we're praising God. We're lifting him up for who he is, but we're also ready to fight the enemy whenever the enemy comes. We can't be leaving our swords at home or leaving our armor on the shelf to get dust. No, we've got to be ready at all times because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We don't war at war against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers. And so saints of God, saints of the most high God, we are to be walking around with the high praises of God in our mouth. We're not going to be praising our enemy. We're not going to be talking how how great the enemy is. We're going to be praising God. We're not going to be praising our problems. We're going to be praising him because he is our God. He is mighty to save, and he is able to deliver us. Sometimes we tend to praise our problems more than we praise our God who can defeat our problems. And so with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand, that's the way to victory in our life. At the, the gate of the city, the entry point, is where the elders of the city would sit. And they would come out there and they would meet every day. There they would conduct city business and judicial cases were settled there and Everything, everything concerning the city happened at the gate. And the elders at the gate knew everything that happened inside the walls of the city because they were guarding the gate and therefore they were able to see who came in and who came out of the city. If you're at the gate, if you're at the front door, the entryway. And so when a foreigner or a visitor would come, guess what? They would be greeted by the elders at the gate. And the elders knew who belonged in the city and who didn't. And so how is it that when Joshua sent spies into Jericho, how is it that the king of Jericho knew to go to Rahab's house and said, hey, where are the guys? Because the Israelites had to go through the gates to get into Jericho. They weren't going to be trying to climb those huge walls. Those spies came in through the gates and they had on their Hawaiian shirts and their sunscreen and their sunglasses and their big old hat with a camera in one hand and a map, tourist map of the other. Hey, we're just here to visit. Heard it's a great place. They didn't stand out at all. But uh, you can tell uh, everything about a city by its gate because that's where... The elders were, that's where everything happened about the city. Uh, And so the experience at the gate will give you an idea of what the city is going to be like. If the elders were rude and dismissive, then you might get more of that inside the city. If the elders were kind and friendly, then you might find more of that inside the city walls. And so you, you are the elder at the gate of your soul. You are the elder at the gate of your soul. You are in charge of your life. You sit at your gate and you make the decisions that affect your life. Nobody else has that power. You sit at your own gate and you decide what comes in what comes out of your life. You decide what kind of life you're going to live. And even though things happen to all of us, uh, we are the only ones responsible for what's inside our gate and inside our soul. 
And, and so uh, there isn't anybody that knows more about your heart and soul than you do. Because you're the elder of your gate. Nobody else knows what is in your life except you. And the experience that people get and feel from you is going to be a reflection of what's inside your soul and how the condition of your heart is. If they experience anger, bitterness, jealousy, madness, all that kind of stuff, then they can probably think, well, there's probably more inside. If that's what's standing at the gate greeting me, then there's probably a lot. It's probably a little bit deeper and darker inside. Uh, but if they encounter love, joy, peace, and long suffering and mercy and grace, then they can say, "Wow, there's probably more of that. That's that's a nice place. That's a nice place I'd like to go. What a great person there they are." And that tells a whole lot about what's inside. It's what is greeted at the gates. And so as the elder that sits at the gate of my soul, I am responsible for my life. I am responsible for my actions. I am responsible for everything that comes into and out of my life. If there are things that are in my life that are not good and not pleasing to God, then you need to figure out how they got in because you're in charge. How they get in through your gate if you say you don't like that, but yet they're inside your city, they're inside your heart. How do they get in? You are in charge of your gate, and so you need to go take, take watch over the wall of your heart and over the heart wall of your soul because you are the elder that sits in charge of your gate. Having said that, what does Jesus, what does Jesus encounter when he comes to your gate? He likes to travel around the world, seeking to and fro and looking for the, the people of God and checking in on them and seeing how things are going. How does, when he comes and takes a visit to your place, how does, what is he greeted by at your gate? Do we make him feel welcome? Do we greet him with thanksgiving and praise? Or do we close the gate and say, you're not welcome today. No visitors allowed today. And Jesus isn't going to just bust through the gates of your heart and kick them down and say, I'm the Lord and I'm coming inside anyways. He, can do, he has the power to do that, but he's not, he doesn't do that. If you close the gates to him, he's, he'll stand outside the gate. He's not going fight, to fight his way in. And so because he gives you the authority to be in charge of your own gate. You are the elder. You control what comes in and out. And you create the environment that visitors encounter at your gate. Well, if I possess the gate, then I'm going to make sure that Jesus is going to be welcomed into my place. I want him to feel at home in my place, that he will come in and enter in. And, and how do we do that? How do we make him feel welcome? Well, our text says in Psalm 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him and bless his name. If thanksgiving is found at your gate, Jesus will feel comfortable there. If praise is upon your lips and blessing, you're blessing the name of Jesus, you're lifting up his name, then Jesus is going to say, man, I feel, I like what I feel here. I like at this place. I like this person. I want to come inside that place. I, I want to go and see more of what's inside. Maybe I'll go inside. Maybe I'll go inside and maybe I'll buy a home. 
Maybe I'll just become a permanent resident of this city and live here continually because I like what I feel. He'll do that if you let him. He'll come in and live inside of you if you, if you let him in and you greet him at the door and, and let, invite him to come into your life. He'll come in and he'll take over and he'll give you a new heart, a new life, and make you a new creature. Everything changes once, you, once Jesus gets inside your gate and, and starts doing, redoing uh, renovation and remodeling. It, it, looks, it may hurt a, a, a bit, but it's going to be better in the end. Isaiah 60 and 18 says, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting no more destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. If you remove all the violence of sin and purge yourself in repentance and the walls in your life become the salvation of God and the gate of your soul will be called praise, then the King of glory is going to come on into your life. He'll come into your heart. He'll come into your life and through your gates and it'll be a place that God has felt welcome and he'll come in and change your life for the better. Psalms 24 and 7 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. You've got to exalt him at your entryway if you want the King of glory to come inside your house. You've got to lift up the name of Jesus if you want him to come inside your place. And if I control... What comes in and what comes out of my gate. Then I need to do everything that I can to get the king of glory to come on in. To get the king of glory to come in and not just to visit and leave for a few days. Not just come in on Sunday or Thursday or Tuesday. But I want him to come in and become a permanent resident in my life where he lives there every day. And where I just give him the keys and say, hey, Jesus, you're in charge now. You do things better than I have ever done. And so I want you to come in and everything will become good once you allow the king of glory into your life. Musicians, if you would come. If the only way into and out of a city is through its gates, then the survival of the city is determined by its gates. Fresh food must be brought in through the gate. Fresh deliveries of water should be coming in through the gates to, to, to give life to the people on the inside. All the supplies that will sustain a city comes in through the gate. And so that is why the elders would sit at the gate and they controlled the gate. And therefore, it was critical and crucial to their survival of their city, of their home. you got to control the gate. What comes in and what comes out, you decide. And the one that controls the gate really controls the city. Controls and determines its fate. The city will survive or it will suffer all by its gates. It will flourish or it will fail depending on what goes on at the gate. When Jesus was crucified on the cross and he breathed his last breath, he went down to the grave. 
he went down to the underworld and he went to the gates down there. And he had a meeting with the elders down there because that's where the elders are, right? They're at the gates. And so Jesus had a meeting with the elders down there. And it wasn't a very long meeting. It was probably one of the quickest meetings ever. We all like fast meetings. And so this is basically how the meeting went with Jesus and all the elders down there. Jesus said, give me your keys. Give me your keys to your gates. Give me the keys to your life. And when Jesus came up out of the grave, what did he do? He came out with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He took control of those things down there. He took over the gates and said, you give me the keys to the gates. I'm in charge now. You're no longer in charge. I'm in charge because I took the keys of your gate. Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But does he have the keys to your gate? Does he have the keys to your life? Does he have the keys to your front door? He's got the keys to death, hell, and the graves. But does he have your keys? And so that is why when Jesus said, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Why? It can't because Jesus has the keys. Jesus controls that gate. Jesus controls the gates of hell. And he says, no, you're not coming against my church. I have the keys. I'm the one in charge here. I say what happens and what doesn't. And so the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church because Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He who holds the keys is the ones in charge. You stand with me today. Jesus is in charge, but is he in charge of your life? Have you surrendered the keys to him, saying, Jesus, come on in. You're welcome in my place. Can you imagine, can you imagine if your enemy had the keys to your front door? Imagine that. How do you think you'd feel? How do you feel? How do you feel about that? Probably very uneasy doesn't sound good at all. How would you sleep at night? It wouldn't be any sleep. You'd be stumbling in everywhere you go. You didn't sleep at all. Why? Your enemy has the keys to your front door. If you don't have the keys to your front door, then you're not really in charge, are you? We know that Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But did you know that Jesus gives you the power, he gives you the authority to go get the keys of the front door of your enemy's house, of their gates. He says you can go to your enemy and just take the keys from them, show them who's in charge. We see this, we see this in Genesis 22 and 17. Now this is God talking to Abram. He says that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed, Abraham's seed, shall possess the gate of his enemies. What happens if you possess the gate? You're in charge. 
If you possess the gate, you're in charge. You're the one who says what can come in and what, can't, what has to go out, what, what must leave and what comes in. And so the seed of Abraham, this is God saying, your seed, Abraham, will possess the gate of his enemies. I'll give your seed the, the power to go get the keys to the front door of your enemy's place. Galatians 3.16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Many promises were made. He saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one. He just said seed, thy seed, one seed. And to thy seed, which is Christ. So Jesus Christ, the manifestation of God himself, ends up being the seed of Abraham. And so Jesus is the true seed of Abraham, and so that is why he went down to death, hell, and the grave and says, give me the keys. There's a promise out there, an eternal promise that says, the seed of Abraham shall possess the gate of his enemy. Guess what? I'm the seed of Abraham. So give me the keys. And so he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. There's nothing the devil could do about it because that promise, that covenant, what God made, and it was, it was backed by the power of God. And so Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Verse 27, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. You are Abraham's seed as well, and you are heirs according to the promise. There's many promises, but that one promise that I'm looking forward to is possessing the gate of my enemies. And so there's a promise that's waiting for you and I, and it's not just blessings. It's not just streets of gold, but since you are the seed of Abraham, you can march down to the gates of hell in your life, and you can say, no more, devil, not today, devil, no more spirit of fear, no more depression, no more heaviness, go ahead, give me the keys, I've come to take the keys, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ, now give me the keys to your gates, we are the people of God, and we are to walk in victory, we are to walk in authority and power that God has given us. And God wants us to take over the things that are hindering us. To bind them in Jesus' name. To cast them out. To go ahead and lock them up and say, Devil, I am the seed of Abraham. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Because God said, I can have your keys. And so that's why we bind them, the spirits, in the name of Jesus. And when we do that, we take authority and dominion from them. They have no power over you. They try, they'll try to deceive you. They'll try to tell you you're nothing. And if you believe them, guess what? You give them the keys back. That's why we need to get into the Word of God and we need to understand who we are. We're not just somebody that shows up and sits on a pew. No, we are a child of the Most High God. God says, I'm giving you my power. Power over all the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And if we believe that, we can go to the gates of hell in our life.
alive and say, not today, I'm taking over today. I think that's what we need to do today. We need to go get some keys to the things that are binding us, things that are hurting us and hindering us. We need to bind them in Jesus' name. As we said in Psalm 149, let the high praises of God be in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. That's when we walk around with the word of God. And we say, devil, look at the word of God says. It says, I'm the seed of Abraham. I come to collect the keys. You're not going to do that anymore in my life, devil. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You're not going to come at me anymore. I bind you in Jesus' name. We have that power and authority. I think we need to do that today as we begin to sing, as we begin to worship. What is it that's bothering you? You need to take authority over today in Jesus' name. Come on. Bind that spirit, that spirit of heaviness, spirit of fear, infirmity. Whatever that is today, we need to bind that so that we can walk out of here in the power of the spirit. Amen. Come on, let's sing, let's worship. We are victorious yes, today. We'll bow down and sing, you are God. Come on, what is it that you need from Him? Every man. Come on, these altars are open we'll if you want to come. You want to come and pray, you want to come and worship. You need to get control over your life today. So let's You're the elder of your gate. You're in charge. What is it that you want? Come on. the King of Glory. He's here. He wants to come into your life. I just want to be with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. I just want to be with you. Well, let's worship the Lord together. Lord, we love you, Jesus. I just want to be with you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just want to be with you. Hallelujah. Yes, the world. Hallelujah. We'll bow down. today be a new day we're standing up to the devil today we can pray taking control today
Lord Jesus, we worship you. Yes, we'll sing in your presence until you come again. Hallelujah. Oh, sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah until you come again. Yes, we'll dance in your presence until you Dance in your presence. We'll dance and dance in your presence. Come on. Dance He's giving you victory. Dance in your presence. He's giving you power to pour in your presence. Dance in your presence. Hallelujah. We're in control. Just wanna be with you. Yes, King of Glory, King of Glory, fill this place. I just wanna be with you. I just wanna be with you. Yes, we'll sing. him hallelujah jesus we welcome you god into our life you're welcome into our gates in our entryway god we praise you today we lift you up jesus hallelujah 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 man before we go i think it'd be great if we can if we can bind together if you can if you want to Get together with somebody, maybe it's households or families. But let 
let's pray together that we're going to guard the gates of our heart, the gates of our home, because we want it to be a place where Jesus comes in and he's welcome. And that God, that we would bind together, amen, and take authority and dominion over the, the spirits that try to come into the gates because we can possess the gate of our enemies. Can we do that? Let's bind together. Let's pray over homes, over households, over families, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare your word today that we are the children of Abraham. We are the seed. We possess the gate of our enemies. I plead your blood over every home, every mind, every body here today. Lord, that your will will be done in their lives, that you will be welcome in their homes. God, give us discernment, Lord, that we may be able to discern and what comes in and what comes out. Give us revelation, Jesus. Lord, expose those things that are unclean that are contrary to your work, God, that we would bind them in the name of Jesus Christ, that your spirit would flow freely in our homes, in our lives, and in our souls. Lord, that we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you for what you're going to do. Hallelujah, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We declare it. We believe it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give him some praise.